0: let okay. you Let's talk where about masculinity a little bit. Maybe I'm just, this is off the brainstem. All right. Maybe this is, is a Weitzman 2020. This is a Weitzman. Maybe this is the desire of all men to run wild in the forest. You're listening to the Dude Nature Podcast. everyone welcome to the dude nature podcast we are here in the reactor adam has new carnivorous plants that aren't dead that look big it looks like they're gonna survive his gardening i'll kill him what's up don't worry i'll How kill are him? you guys I'll kill those plants welcome back worst carnivorous plant gardener on the planet that's in not true that's not house. true learner learner learning carnivorous plant garden <laughs> those look good behind you yeah that's because you've only had a the american pitcher plants the saracenia yeah those look dope Michael. These are the gripes before you go. Yeah. Tell us about them. Where we gripe to each other for 30 seconds each about something mildly irritating. What is your gripe? Yeah. Um. Recently, I think that I have found out through recent pictures and through analysis that I'm balding at 30 <laughs> years old. Really? And so my gripe is that I'm a 30-year-old man. And in about five years, I'm going to be balder than a lot of 70-year-old men. Yeah. So, I mean, like, you know. You're gonna give me balding too? Like, you just give me a why? Why another thing that I have to deal? with? Why balding? Then, why are you doing this? Because then to me? you'll be a short Jewish bald I, man. So now, now I'm going to be short, Jewish, and, and bald. also bald. So when people, so when people like yourself are like, "Why are you not eating any sugar or fat?" Because it's the only thing I have got. Okay, I can't be short, Jewish, bald, and like not in shape. Right? Cannot. Those three things. Can't you can't be those three things? Or no, well, those are four. Yeah. I think. One, what's, two, three. What's four. your What's your grip? Uh, my gripe is on my counter. It's very hard to keep my countertop clean. I just hate, like, why yeah, I, I feel 100%. myself cleaning the kitchen countertop at least five or six times a day. I hate it. I hate little marks. What, what do I have to do? What do I have to do to not clean it six times a day? Yeah. Should I wait till the end to clean it or should I get little table? Uh, what are those things called? Cable. It's so gross. Well, it's just so gross when you walk by your counter and there's like a little stain on it, and you're like, that stain is gonna ruin it's it, ruin my entire life. I'm gonna see that stain all day. I'm gonna see it in my mind's eye all fucking day. Especially if you've eaten a carton of ice cream and you feel bad about it, and you see the yeah, ice cream. I see some of the ice cream. Um, yeah, it's like you're guilty. It's like the dead body, you know, that you hide away. Absolutely, especially if you're balding. Hey, Noah. Yeah, it's time to play our game. Let's play a game. Tell me if this animal is real or if this animal is fake. Boom, bald eagle, real. It's my head. <laughs> dromornay Plané. dromornay Plané looks like a giant dodo. Okay. It's an extinct flightless bird. It lived fifty thousand years ago in Australia and weighed six hundred pounds. Is this fact or is this? animal fiction it's a dodo that weighs 600 pounds basically a giant dodo that weighs 600 pounds okay not real okay this is a fact jesus all right australian dodo weighed 600 pounds lived fifty thousand years ago actually existed and ate what ate what to survive 600 pound dodo kangaroo wallaby babies (laughs) i don't know it just ran around eating kangaroo next one boo and m-b-i-e-u boo 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 M I guess the M is silent. Boo boo boo. Boo boo boo. A modern version of a Brontosaurus living in and around lakes in the Republic of the Congo. Fact or fiction. That's uh, fiction. That's fiction? <laughs> yeah. That is in fact fiction. Good job. Okay, number <laughs> yeah, three. There's no way that a modern day brontosaurus. is have, have Africa. Five for you. The Okapi. A forest giraffe that was discovered in nineteen oh one. And it looks like a giraffe crossed with a deer. Yeah, I think this is real. Why do you think it's real? I think I've seen this in like a zoo or something. A no copy. It's like, uh, uh, yeah. Yep. It's real. The okay, no copy's cool. real. The forest giraffe. What Number am I? I'm one for three. You are. No, yeah. you're, you're two for three. You're nope. two for three. Okay, fine. I'll take two for three, even though I'm one for three. You're two for three. You can't count. Number four. Helicorp- helicoprions, helicoprions, A shark with a jaw, like a fruit roll up. So it has teeth all the way down. The jaw curls underneath its mouth down below the shark. It swam around the ocean 270 million years ago. Is this animal fact or animal fiction? Baby shark's multiple rolls of teeth evolved from it. So, yeah, sure. Fact. It is actually a fact, and it's a crazy baby. image. Okay, two I for wish, four. I wish you could see it. Yeah, good job. Good last job getting that one. Okay, last one. Dramadarius viperini. Known as the snake-eating cow of Southeast Asia. It had giant furry horns that looked like swords, basically. And looks just like a bigger water buffalo. Looks a lot like a water buffalo. Apparently, it also ate snakes, I guess. Big water buffalo that ate snakes. Yeah. No. Fiction. Why do you say no? I just... uh, It sounds like an herbivore. Dramadarius viperny? Sounds like an herbivore and snake eating things. I don't think that would go very well. Damn it. I made that one up. It's fiction. Boom, baby! Do you like That's fucking right. Dramadarius viperny? I, I liked like it. That? I thought it was a bird. Dromedarius viperity. That's a good made-up science word. No, what is our topic today? Our topic is Sasquatch. The myth of the large hairy man running around in the wilderness. Okay, here's the overview of the episode. Par usual, Adam. We have a packed show today. Got to fit everything in. First, we're going to talk about the Yeti from the Himalayas. Then we're going to talk about why are there Bigfoot myths that happen everywhere across the world randomly. Then we're going to have our halftime honey. Then we're going to talk about the Sasquatch in the Pacific Northwest in the United States. Then the Florida Skunk Ape, and we're going to end with the Open Kimono. Sounds great, Adam. Yes. And big games that don't suck. Yep. You have sixty seconds to get us to know what we need to enjoy the episode. Everything we need Every, to know. Everything we need to know. Okay, ready? Here it comes. Three, two, one, go! Sasquatch in twelve in twelfth century Europe. Noah. The figure appears frequently in coats of arms and also Renaissance paintings from England all the way to Germany. It is the wild man, as they say. It's depicted as covered in hair with shaggy thighs and often leaping or performing some other kind of wild man type of action. Moving south of the Himalayas, we have the white furred Yeti, which you will be telling us about in a little bit. The abominable snowman of many hikers nightmares. 6,000 miles away from that we have the dreaded skunk ape. It haunts the swamps and swimming pools in Miami-Dade County and its mansions. The Australian outback <laughs> has the yaoi. And in Indonesia, he's called the Gogu. And of course, in the pack northwest, what do we have? We are home to the iconic. The iconic fucking Sasquatch. Yeah, baby. Why are these hairy mammoths ubiquitous across time and cultures, Noah? Could there be some truth that there is a hairy being out there in the forest with one foot in the animal kingdom and one foot in our world? Is there- or is this just an extension of our psyche? A reflection of our battered consciousness that wants to believe in monsters beyond our hypothetical village walls. We will explore. Noah. Yeah. It is time for the theme. hmm Our theme for today, as Adam touched on, is fact versus fiction. Okay, with the hairy man myth, there's a lot of wild shit out there that isn't true. And then there's also a lot of shit that is true. So we got to talk about both of them. To give you the hairy Man myth, okay? Like we discussed earlier. First, we're gonna start with the Yeti Adam. Yeah. You guys ready? Talk about the Yeti. Yeti and the Himalayas. Sweaty Yeti. Okay, during this section, here, here's how we're gonna do it. I'm gonna start with the myth of the Himalayan Yeti. Then I'm gonna talk about the facts. And then we're gonna talk about Daniel Taylor, aka the most interesting man in the world, and how he solved the mystery of the Yeti. The most the world's most interesting man? He might be the dude on the dose He's ad. Might yeah. be, he might be the dude. You'll see. Okay, great. Make a decision for yourself. Okay, here we go. Starting off with myths of of the Himalayan Yeti. Can I just start off before you get into it to completely interrupt what you're about God to do? God damn it. I sandwiched that well. With idea. a myth of my own? Yeah, yeah, sir. Okay, when I worked in an outdoor school really quickly, there was two giant twin brothers. They're about 6'8". Okay, they're about us, but like all, two, tw- all, two feet taller. Than alter us. egos. They walked around and called themselves Yeti and Sasquatch and made sure everyone called them that. They also played in a band. They're 6'8". And yeah, kind of sounds so there. So there you go. No, they were, they were they're not tight. They were, they were, they were giant, giant dudes, six eight Everyone that made called, them called them Yeti s- and Sasquatch. Smoked a ton of weed. It must have been a while since they had sex. Yeah, sex wasn't coming to it was sex, no. It coming to one Yeti of them, one, a Yeti or Sasquatch, had a wife that played in the band with him. It was Yeti Sasquatch and one of the wives. Yeah. Okay. Anyway. Okay, we're talking about the Himalayan Yeti myth. Okay. The Sherpa or mountain people of Nepal have always had a myth about a wild man or half human ape running around living in the Himalayas. If you see pictures of the Himalayas, it's a beautiful remote area, very majestic, huge mountains, a.k.a. Mount Everest. Heard of it. So it arose from this environment. The Yeti stories range. okay? They're anywhere from the child of a Tibetan girl and a large ape being the Yeti. Then a creation myth involving a female rock god mating with a monkey. Oh, also there's lots of creation myths There's you're just saying. So yeah, so the Himalayan people have a lot of different creation myths for the Yeti. Which Himalayan people? Nepalese people? The Well so, okay, so I think it's actually important probably to touch on like where are the Himalayans located because it is a little bit confusing. That'd be nice. The Himalayans are basically on the border of of Nepal and China. Okay? So one side of the Himalayas are in Nepal. The other side is in China. Okay, and this can can be confusing because the China, t- sorry, Tibet is an autonomous region of China now. Mm-hmm. Okay, so technically you can say that half the Himalayas are in Nepal or China, and then you could say half the Himalayas are in Nepal or Tibet. Okay, when people say Tibet, that is now China. Mm-hmm. Okay, does that make sense? Yeah. Okay, cool. So. From these Nepalese and Tibetan people, that is where these stories come from. The Himalayan people. Okay. They live on either side of these mountains. Okay. So, there's creation myths. And then there's my favorite. There's yeti that take care of meditating Buddhists. Oh, wow. So, one thing that these people do is like they... Some of the religious Buddhists, they go off into the mountain. Mm -hmm. And they'll meditate in there for like days. And it's seen as... You're religiously devout if you go and give these people food. So there's some myths of Yeti that come down from the mountain and take care of these Buddhists. A benevolent Yeti. A benevolent Yeti. And then there's like pictures of it from way back in the day of like this huge hairy beast feeding like a Buddhist meditating. This is my favorite Yeti myth. It's a nice Yeti. It's a nice It's a nice Yeti. Even And then there's even another myth of a Yeti that not only fed the Buddhists that were meditating up in Himalayan Sex mountains. with them. <laughs> exactly had sex with them but also became their Buddhist disciples and then the Yeti became a Buddhist Yeti oh wow yeah some Himalayan people think that Yetis are secret shrine protectors okay so there are shrines that are up in the mountains the Yetis are the are the protectors and then there are the vengeful bad Yeti many people consider a great mountain it's like a lot of the Himalayan mountains to actually be a great deity itself so like yeah. the mountain is itself a god so Everest Mount Everest to some Himalayan is actually Chama-la- chamalangma mm-hmm. Chamalangma. Chana masala. Ch- Chana masala, chamalangma. Mm-hmm. Which translates to mother of the world. Oh, okay. So when when you anger a mountain, when a mountain is angered, it sends a Yeti down to kill people and wreak havoc. Not the Buddhist Yeti. This is not the Buddhist Yeti having sex with the monks and also, you know, becoming their Buddhist disciple. This is his mean brother. <laughs> this is his mean brother that the mountain got mad at the people and sent it down. Okay, understood. Okay. So let's talk about the facts, Adam. Let's talk about what led to this myth. Yeah, let's stay in fact zone. Yeah. So all through the 18th and 19th century, there are speculative sightings of footprints everywhere in the Himalayan mountains. But it wasn't until 1925 when Yeah, when N. A. Tombazi, a photographer from the Royal Geographical Society, the Royal Geographical Society, Adam, also the society that found Everest as the tallest peak and named it. Oh, okay. Okay, so a photographer from there that was actually exploring Everest, this mountain that they just realized was the tallest one in the world, he found footprints in the snow at fifteen thousand feet. And as he and as he said, unquestionably, oh sorry. When he went down, he saw footprints, then they went down to fifteen thousand feet. What year are we at? We're at nineteen twenty-five. Nineteen twenty-five. Yeah. This is a photographer from the Royal Geographical Society. He was exploring Everest, which they just found was the tallest peak. Okay. Okay. So while exploring They saw footprints in the snow Up higher on the mountain Mm -hmm. Then they went down to 15,000 feet And what he said Unquestionably He saw something And this is a quote from him Yeah Okay Unquestionably The figure in outline Was exactly like a human being Walking upright And stopping occasionally To pull at some dwarf Rhododendron bushes It showed up dark against the snow And as far as I can make out Wore no clothes And then when the group descended again They found more footprints yeah. So, what the hell is this thing? In 1951, this is the big one. Okay, in 1951, this is the Eric Shipton. This is actually Yeah, This is Eric fucking Shipton text. This is called ship the ship daddy photograph. In 1951, this is what set off people. This is what set the world on fire about Yeti. Without social media, he set the world on fire. You can imagine now. Yeah. In 1951, British explorer Eric Shipton, while out looking for an alternative route up Mount Mount Everest, with none other than. Sir Edmund Hillary. Oh, wow. The, du- the dude that first successfully ascended Everest. Is this after Edmund Hillary ascended to the top? Good question. Or this, before? Good question. This is in 1951. Edmund Hillary first ascended Everest in 53 or 54, I believe. Oh, I think so it's this 54. Is this is before. This is before. They're basically trying to map out what they're going to do to get to the top. They're trying to find the Hillary step, the hill dog step. They're trying to find the Hillary step and the route to get up to the top. Like how even the fuck they're going to do it. Okay. 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 I didn't realize until researching this how the Yeti is very closely linked to Everest and the Himalayas. I didn't know like that. Like a yeah. lot, of, almost all the Yeti evidence is found on Everest. Okay. Yeah. So this British explorer, they're looking for this up Everest. He finds a footprint that appears to be humanoid because it looks bipedal, meaning that there is one foot, one foot, one foot, one foot. It doesn't look like your dog's footprint. A staggered foot. Staggered foot. Okay. He took a famous picture of this next to his ice pick. And the foot is like as big as his ice pick. It's his huge foot, but it has the toes that look just like a human. Whoa. Yeah. And then he put he sent this pick around to journalists, and this is what made people go crazy about the Yeti. Okay. Is, the, is this pick. Yeti is a Sherpa word for wild man. Yeah. Like the medieval wild man. Yeah. So like a wild man living in the woods. Right. The same one that appears across cultures. This phenomenon of the wild man. Yeah. The crazy thing about this phenomenon is that, you know, all the way in Florida, you know, all the way in Australia, mm-hmm. all the way in the Pacific Northwest, this same myth is appearing. At the same time, not connected. Yeah. So this myth, this myth goes on everywhere. Okay. Um, In 1953. So I guess he scaled it in 1953. In 1953, actually, while making the historic scaling of Everest, the historic ascent. Sir Edmund Hillary and Sherpa, Tenzing Norgay, reported seeing large footprints in the snow. Boss. Tenzing Norgay. Tenzing Norgay, huge boss. Huge Edmund boss. Hillary, huge boss. Yeah. Okay, after, after the picture of Eric Shipton, Yeti fever took off. In 1954, American oil man Tom Slick, he's basically, he's responsible for finding- His name was Tom Slick, and he was an oil man? His name was fucking Tom Slick, and he was an oil man. That is straight out of a comic book. It is straight out of a comic book, and it's unbelievable. What is the life of an oil man? So, do you know what a like? Oh, so back then, back in the the fifties, there's like wildcatters. Uh-huh. He was he's known as the most successful wildcatter, which is just a dude that just fucking goes out there and sets up rigs and just drills. Goes finds, yeah. Like there will be blood. Uh, honestly, there honestly there will be blood. He's yeah. there will be blood. Tom wildcatter. Slick. He's he's responsible for finding some of the biggest oil fields in North America, especially in Oklahoma. Okay. Okay. He became obsessed with the Yeti after seeing Eric Shipton's pho- photograph. And is this this photograph, it it has like an opposable thumb. You know what I mean? Right. Or you can see the thumb in it, the Yeti. It looks like a man ape. It looks like a man, a huge man ape footprint. Right. It does. So here's the thing. When they saw the footprint, this big man ape footprint, right? There had been like hundreds of years of sightings of these big footprints up on the mountain. Yeah. So they're like, something is fucking up. You can imagine like being up there. In this very unexplored area and seeing these footprints that look humanoid, but huge. Like people really thought there was a wild band running around. So basically the summoning of Mount Everest is really the discovery of the Yeti. More importantly, to summoning Mount Everest, they discovered the Yeti. Yep. Okay. Tom Slick, he became obsessed with this. He led several, several expeditions to the Himalayas to find this Yeti. One of the expeditions, like just to give you the size of these expeditions, one of them had a 500 people. Bloodhounds, and they spent six months in the field looking for the yeti with five hundred people. Whoa. Okay, that's how rich fucking Tom Slick was. I mean, they people get obsessed with the thing. He became obsessed with it and tried to find it, but to no avail. Right. Okay. Okay. in nineteen In nineteen sixty, the World Encyclopedia in in World Encyclopedia. Yeah. They became obsessed with it as well. They asked Sir Edmund Hillary to go back and look for the yeti. He said, yes, but on the condition that they would actually research how people survive above 19,000 feet. And a lot of, a lot of really important elevation sickness studies come from this. Yeah. So a lot of cool studies come from the need to explore the Yeti. I've seen this too, in my research that when they go to explore or like look for the Yeti, what actually ends up happening is they actually research something very useful Right At the same time Right so, so they that's go, cool So they go to explore the Yeti what they, what they do find Is a lot of interesting things About what happens To the human body Above 19,000 feet Yeah how about a human body That's 10 feet tall And covered in hair Right exactly Well, let me t- well that brings me To, to my last section mm-hmm. We talked about the myth we talked about some facts And now let's solve it Alright Alright here we fucking go So there's evidence Of this fucking big hairy thing Running around up in the mountain And now comes in Daniel Taylor AKA the most interesting man In the world that solves the eddy mm-hmm. he basically had the right combination of desire, determination, skill, luck, and access to solve the myth. He spoke four languages, was friends with the kings of Nepal and Bhutan he went to Harvard with the crown he went to Harvard with the Crown Prince of Nepal and had connections high in the Chinese government but How? he and How? this is all <laughs> here's the most interesting part. this is all from a boy born in West Virginia, yeah. Yeah. So basically his family back in the day. From the coal mines to the top of Everest. His dad was a big community farmer. Or sorry, community doctor. So they moved out to the Himalayan region so he could practice medicine. Yeah. And so Daniel at the young age of 11 was just running around the Himalayas while his dad was super connected in the community. And then he just kind of became the most interesting man alive. In 1951, he saw the footprint photo by Eric Shipton. And he got Yeti fever. What is known as Yeti fever. Yeah. Okay. It became evident to Daniel, Adam, that through talks with locals, there were two things. One, there was a ton of real evidence. So there were a ton of footprints. And two, the footprints all came from a connected area. So it seemed like it came from a roaming area. Mm, A roaming beast. Yeah. So there's a roaming beast out there. Okay. Taylor and his family... Doing great medical work in the mountains, they were invited to have dinner with the king of Nepal. Tell you, this dude's the most interesting man alive. They invited him to have dinner with the king of Nepal. The king, as Daniel Taylor would find out, guess what, Adam? What? He happened to be a big Yeti myth fan. He was a huge Yeti guy the, too. The king of Nepal fucking loved the Yeti myth. Yep, super into it. He told Taylor, and I quote, "If you want to go to the wildest place where the Yeti might be, it is the Bar- it is the Bar- Baroon." The Baroon Yeah, by the Baroon The king means the Baroon Valley Words, What's the Baroon Valley? Thank you for asking The Baroon Va- Valley Is a densely forested Jungly part of the Himalayas That gets the moist, most moisture So if you look Juggly. up If you look at Pictures of the Himalayas Yeah It seems like this High altitude Mountainous desert Right, yeah, yeah But there's a spot That basically gets All the rainfall In the Himalayas so this- And it's this big jungle out there And as Daniel Taylor puts it It's like the most majestic Place in the world Oh, okay And it's super, super wild so because Daniel was a westerner that that spoke basically four languages and the most interesting man in the world, he ended up at one point working for the Dalai Lama as his as his educational advisor, which is a very senior position for someone that's pretty young. He then ends up getting senior positions with the US State Department because he's a westerner that speaks all these local languages and know knew the area. And between working for the Dalai Lama and the US State Department, it's unclear, but he eventually gets access to a helicopter okay and this is what fucking daniel was waiting for because he wanted to fly out to the baroon because he he always wanted to go out to the baroon and finally he gets access to this copter yeah okay so now he's about to go to the place where the king says the yeti is probably probably there okay once he got to the Baroon, he almost instantly found footprints smashing those taken in photographs high on everest is this the setup for predator is that what's happening? <laughs> By Daniel Taylor, I mean Arnold fucking Schwarzenegger getting on getting on. <laughs> yeah, it really is. <laughs> is an alien going to come out and white Daniel He's Taylor's like, Taylor, yeah, platoon. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Daniel was actually working with a local hunter Adam. Okay. Okay. Named the predator. Yeah, named fucking Arnold Schwarzenegger. And the, and the local hunter said that he thought the footprints were from a tree bear because of what Ooh. because of the thumb in the footprints. What's a tree bear? If you look at pictures of a tree bear, National Geographic has some really cute, cute photos. They're very tree, they, they climb trees? It's basically normal bears can't make a living in a tree, like they can't live in a tree for their life because okay. they don't have that opposable thumb. Right, yep, yep. But Gotta they, have it. But this bear, this bear does. And so the, the local hunter thought it was this. Okay. In 1983, Daniel set out to prove a hypothesis, hypo- hypothesis he had found by going to the Burun Valley. He, used, he utilized his friend, the King of Nepal, Nepal's Asiatic black bear in the yeah. cat in the Kathmandu Zoo. Okay, so he had a fucking his his king friend had a bear in the zoo, and Daniel's like, I got a theory. Mm-hmm. He drank he tranquilized the bear, and then he replicated all of the footprints and all of the photographs with the bear. How did he replicate the giant footprint with the bear? because what he what he found and the big the big mystery was, is that the Asiatic black bear when it's walking, what happens is that. And you, he says that you can see this with a cat walking, is that its back foot goes into the spot that its front foot was, and so what? Oh, it makes like a, And so yeah. what that does is that it makes a very long foot. Got it. Yep. Got it. It makes a very long foot with an opposable thumb, which looks like a yeti man foot. A tr- what was a tree bear doing at the altitude that they were at, though, and not in the Brune Valley? Yeah, it's so. It, that's just so. The answer is that. It was an Asiatic black bear, and that and that's their habitat. They run around the Himalayas. Oh, cool! So it's similar ha- habitat overlap. Yeah. What did he tell? The, the, he told the king. What did the king say? So uh, he told his boy the king. Yeah. His boy the two kings. Yeah, the two kings. I don't know, but he found he found that it was an Asiatic black bear. It was the yeti? I'm not sure. There, there's. There, I'm, I'm getting the interesting, interesting part. Okay. Okay. The story doesn't end there. Can I jump in really quick? Sure. I love the story. Jump in. I just I want to put in the part of pseudoscience versus science into here. So what he's doing right now is he is doing what I would consider science because he's trying to disprove the actual theory. Right. That's how science works. You try to disprove a theory someone has rather than trying to find out why Bigfoot might have been the footprint. He's trying to figure out why that footprint would not have been bigfoots. so that is why he's conducting a more scientific study than doing a pseudoscientific study, which we will see later. yeah and I think a lot of the so a lot of the others that we're gonna get into, mm-hmm. there's a lot of pseudoscience in it definitely but but like so this one because there was so as he mentions earlier, because there was so much evidence like they had been seeing footprints up on the mountain for hundreds of years yeah. and photos of it it was obviously something yeah it was something they didn't know what they thought it was a big wild hairy man. That was taking care of Buddhists, but if he would have, if he would have looked at the footprint, and he would have been like, "Okay, I'm going to see why this is a yeti," and he would have went back to the village and like measured everyone's footprint, and he, he would have been like, right. "If you scaled a- up the man's footprint three times, it would have been a yeti's footprint, and therefore it was a human being, and therefore it was a yeti." That's that would be pseudoscience, right? But that's not what he's doing. I just want to make sure that we are aware of the distinction. No, this dude's the man. Okay, okay. Going I'm, I'm, I'm going to go back. To, I'm going to go back to my story. Okay. Because right. once once Daniel Taylor found that that it was the, it was the black bear the Asiatic black bear he yeah. wasn't fucking done okay because he wasn't the, fucking done because he, he's the absolute absolute man what he found was that on the Tibetan side okay and remember again Tibet is an autonomous region of China so basically on the on the Chinese side there were roads coming into this valley that the bear like usually made its home okay mm-hmm. and on the Nepalese side. There were trees being cut down for timber. So basically, this beautiful bear, the Asiatic black bear, its whole habitat was being ruined. If you look up a National Geographic picture of the Asiatic black bear, it looks like the cutest little thing. It's different looking than a American black bear or grizzly. How so? Uh, it has a wider face and is just fucking cuter. It's a tree bear. It's just very, very cute. It's more... P- I, it's more petite. It's more panda-like. Is it more? Petite? I don't just say that because the Himalayas are in Asia. It's more panda-like. It's more panda-like. More panda-like. More okay. cuddly. So it's like it has the circular ears. Like it's more petite beep. and it has a wider face and it looks friendlier. That's awesome. Yeah, it's awesome. Okay, so there's a cute little thing. What he, what Daniel Taylor realized is that its habitat was being destroyed from both sides. So he went out searching for the yeti. What he found was this beautiful creature that its habitat was being destroyed. Okay. Daniel Taylor, not being a man to sit by, he wanted to end this. Not being a man to sit idly by. Yeah. At this at this point, Tibet was an autonomous region of China. Daniel, with the help, and he lived in in the Nepalese side, and they weren't really communicating. It was very hard to get to China from Nepal at that point. Mm-hmm. Okay. However, with help from his dad's connection connections, his dad happened to be the UNICEF ambassador to Beijing at this point. Mm-hmm. Help from his dad's connections was high in the Chinese government. He was able to work his way up the chain and he started Makala Barun National Park in in Nepal. And he also developed a system of national parks in Tibet. And thanks to his work, Tibet went from 0% protected to what is now 54% protected. Really? Yeah. And so you can to walk. zero to fifty four percent. He he makes it a fan? go from zero to fifty four because of big dick Daniel, most interesting man in the oh world my God. Taylor. That's amazing. Yeah, the man the man from West Virginia ay, that ay, you've ay, never ay, heard of ay, 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 Daniel Taylor. Daniel. Yeah, honestly Taylor. a fucking hero. So you can go walk in Daniel's footsteps, Adam, and it's a national park incredible. He has very interesting stuff. He is very critical of the of the Yellowstone and Yosemite National Park systems from all the bad decisions they made with wolves and such. He's very critical of he doesn't believe that it should just be a restricted zone. He believes that the whole area should be a park and that the humans should live coexist with the nature. Okay, inside of the park? Yeah, well he he believes that you shouldn't just restrict nature to these zones. You should let the nature go, and people have to learn to live with the nature and but coexist. We'll, yeah, that's I the mean, thing. What's happening is people would de- in this country people would develop it. Right, but in Tibet they're like, that sounds good, Daniel. In Tibet so, they're like, great, I'll build a wooden shack there. And yeah. So anyway, Tibet's fifty four percent protected. That's incredible because of a uh, because of a little boy from West Virginia, Adam. Yeah. Named Daniel Fucking Taylor. That just shows what you can do if your parent is an ambassador to a different country or the UNICEF advisor. So anyway, yeah. he has a book actually called Yeti: The Ecology of a Myth. Um and That's he's the cool. f- and he's the fucking man. He's an American hero. So he he disproved the the footprints. Eric Shipton's footprints. So he set he he became obsessed with the photograph by Eric Shipton in 1951. Yeah. He set out to find it. He proved that it was the Asiatic black bear by casting the footprints. And then he basically protected the entire area. Wow. Okay, so something really great came out of the study for this monster that literally yeah, really fucking great. Amazing. Yeah, amazing. Adam, why are there Bigfoot myths everywhere? Well, I'll tell you, Noah. Yeah, tell me. I fucking tell you. That was a great story of Daniel Taylor, and it's going to go into our Thank first you, it's point great right here. Mm-hmm. Okay. This myth of Yeti, and Sasquatch, and Yowie, and the Florida Skunk Ape is unique because it's ubiquitous across cultures. Without these cultures coming into contact with each other, everyone has come up with this myth of the hairy man. So why is this? Why are we so obsessed with it? Why do people get this, like, Yeti fever, like the king of Nepal, and they just go all out balls deep in the Yeti? And why is it springing up in different corners of the world everywhere? The same myth. Exactly. Why is that happening? Yes, why? So we're going to touch on, like you did, on how it actually helps study animals or our environment more than the Yeti or the Sasquatch itself. So it has real applications for science, but just not about the Yeti or the Sasquatch. It ends up becoming a good thing. Some of the times to do this research, um, it for second of all, it can't be disproven the hunger for attention. Maybe it's our masculinity run wild. Maybe it's nature catching up with us, or maybe, you know, it's to stay in the village kind of mentality to keep people together. So the first one, it helps us to study actual animals nature. Like you were saying, where because of his study, Daniel Taylor made a giant national park, went from zero to 54% of Nepal is protected. So that came out of his search for the Yeti. So some good things can come out of these like witch hunts, basically. A uh, few other examples, Charlotte Linquist. Charlotte Lindquist studies bears in Buffalo, New York, and was approached to identify samples of fur and bone from the Himalayas by a documentary research group to be proven as a Yeti. So that is, what is that? That is pseudoscience, right? Right, you are trying to prove it as something? They wanted her to prove that that fur was a Yeti rather than disprove it, which is the key difference there. We're going to see that coming up again and again in these stories. All right, from DNA analysis, she proved that the remains were from poorly discovered Himalayan brown bears. Not as cute as the Asiatic bears. Kind of look a little fucked up. Uh, with further, further study of the DNA sequence, she was able to discover that 650,000 years ago, glaciers formed a single bear population apart. So it split two bears, it split the bear population into two and created two different bears, the Tibetan brown bear and the Himalayan brown bear. So she was able to discover that from this sequencing having to do with researching Yeti that's cool so these are these are good things that happen these from are actually good things these are good things that happen from doing this that's because cool. you know what guess what to do science you need some money right you need some money you need someone to butter that scientific bread butter my bread okay and this shit absolutely butters people's biscuits all over the place sometimes not in the good tom th- fucking slick tom fucking slick example neil gemmel the university of Ot- otago in new zealand he was doing a similar journey to the Yeti, but instead of Yetis and Sasquatch, he was doing the Loch Ness Monster. Okay. okay. He founded a project to study the location of the Loch Ness Monster, and he marketed it through like Instagram and headlines and newspapers. When was this? This is last year. Oh, shit. And recent. it had such a big response that he was able to go to Lake Loch Ness and show all of the problems with the Ness River. It's been polluted with shrimp and even Pacific salmon, which is crazy because Ness is in Scotland, the Ness River. So how did a Pacific salmon get all the way to Scotland? Yeah. How? It's because people have been diving again and again and again into the river and just fucking it up, looking for Loch Ness. So he was able to show the amount of catastrophe that was taking place in the river by under the guise that he was searching for the Loch Ness monster. So he took the funding and then went to the river and, and he was like, guess what? Shit. We're really fucking it up because everyone's coming in looking for Nessie. He's like, I couldn't get this funding anyway, but there was a Tom Slick out there that wanted to give it to okay. me for Loch Ness study. Right. So it can butter the bread and help you do actually cool, actually good science that can be okay. really cool. Yeah. So why are there but why are there bigfoot myths everywhere? Yeah. We're getting there. Okay. Get me there. Okay. It first of all, it can't be disproven. The lack of the lack of scientific evidence itself is not evidence. Right, you can't just say there's no evidence that there is there there is not a Bigfoot and therefore it doesn't exist. Are we living in a simulation or exactly. the argument for God? Some exactly people some people would thing. say the argument for God. There's no way to definitively say that something does not exist, just that it is very likely not to exist based on the evidence. And when when scientists talk, here's the thing, okay? The language of science is the language of like I don't of I don't knows. Scientists speak, they say the evidence points to there being no Bigfoot. A scientist wouldn't say there is no Bigfoot definitively. That's not how they talk. And we've interviewed a lot of them for this podcast. They always talk like they're not sure. And to someone who doesn't understand, understand the process of science, it sounds like they're not sure of it, but really they're using the process of science. You're giving me a face. No, 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 keep going. Okay. So it can't be disproven. Also a hunger for attention. I mean, this is even more Prevalent now than when Eric Shipton or when Daniel Taylor were doing their work in this area, where a sensational video of a breast would can get you millions of views and an advertising deal right there. Remember when we were watching the Champions League game and some the the, the girl runs onto the field like with the um with the shirt that was like yeah some no, sort no of porn that's, company. that's unbelievable right? Like after that happens, millions of people view that video just by doing that something sensational. Right now, when I was on Facebook. There's a new sequence of videos where a friend of a couple is tricked to believe that like the boyfriend is not in the picture anymore. And to see if he will cheat with the girl. I've seen it all over Facebook right now. What the fuck is that? Yeah, it's the most fucked up thing. I'm, I'm seeing it all over Facebook. And that video gets millions of views. For what company? It's just people posting it. Just to get Just clicks. to get like attention? Just to get attention and clicks, right? Right. So Bigfoot must are everywhere because people want to get attention. Right. This isn't news to anyone, okay? For example, a drone footage of a supposed video of a Bigfoot in Idaho came out a few years back. It almost immediately racked up millions of views. It just echoes where our current standing is and where the truth is very difficult to pull out from fiction. I, I think where you're coming from, too, is that, as Daniel Taylor puts it, because um, he's he's thought about this, too, is that we have more settings of Yeti's today in modern day than we ever have before. Yeah,
1: so basically, exactly. cl-
0: claims are going up everywhere. So sure. why is claims going up everywhere? So you're talking about why in the modern day do the claims of Yeti Yeti keep going up? Yeah. Okay, cool. Exactly. Because we have so many places to post it, so many more eyeballs on things. Of course, it's being sensationalized like crazy. Right. All right. How about masculinity?
1: Okay. Where you Let's talk where about masculinity a little
0: bit. Maybe I'm just, this is off the brainstem. All right. Maybe this, this is it, a Weitzman 2020. This is a Weitzman. Maybe this is the desire of all men to run wild in the forest and like be free of the bonds of domestic life. You know, mm-hmm. I was just thinking about, it. there's really no female Bigfoot sightings. Everyone's like Bigfoot oh is a man. Okay. All right. I which gotta, is a Dude. I got right? I got to go into this. Some people are like, it's a juvenile Bigfoot. in Ready for photo. This? Ready for this? Yeah. Can, can, I, can I do it? Um, Bigfoot S. There's a, a pro- Bigfoot There's S. There's a professor at Penn State named Peter Dendel. He studies not Bigfoot, but he just studies the, the people phenomenon. he studies the people that study Bigfoot or Yeti. Perfect. Okay. What he says in his study is that what he calls cryptid enthusiast enthusiasts, so cryptozoology is a term please define it, yeah. Is is a term that means people searching for creatures that are not recognized by science. Okay. Okay, does that make sense? Totally. Okay. So, he studies cryptozoology and cryptozoologists mentally. And cryptids are the animals themselves. Yeah. Okay. So, he said that cryptid enthusiasts, people trying to find these creatures, almost all share these traits. Number one, Adam, they yeah. are male. Oh, wow. That's, They're almost that's always male? really bizarre why, why is that, is that the case. Why are men obsessed with finding Bigfoot? And girls are just like, that's stupid. They're like, this is dumb. I'm going to watch Below the Deck. Like, this, is, <laughs> this is dumb. I'm going to watch Lucifer. Yeah. they are male they have a distaste for authority they have a connection to the outdoors they're individualistic self-reliant and they exhibit other traits of an outsider almost all of the people that come forth that's brilliant with this stuff have those traits that's absolutely brilliant i would love to learn more about this guy's research i know i'm really into the research about studying the people people that study the bigfoot it's that's what it's about that's what you want that's where i want to live that's what i want to live too so they're almost always male yep they're individualistic. They have a connection with nature and they reject authority. Yeah. And they vote for Donald Trump. That makes total fucking sense. And <laughs> yeah. they vote for Donald <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. You go ahead. Okay. That's amazing. So yeah, maybe there, there is something to it with the men's desire to like either hunt a monster or to like be free in the woods or something like that. You know what? I can't really put two and two together. I'm just saying it's a possibility. I like it. Okay. How about our nature catching up with this? Maybe it's our own psyche. That's literally breaking with all the ways that we pollute the environment with, like deforestation and massive forest fires. And this is most readily apparent in today's forests, especially in the Pacific Northwest, where the Sasquatch legend looms over the forests. You can see the devastation that climate change has easily with the unbelievably strong forest fires we had this year. Yeah. Or last year, record forest fires. So is Bigfoot to climate change, just like Godzilla is to nuclear technology, the environment incarnate that's come back to reckon with us for our sins and that's why we think about it maybe i'm just thinking is it our path nature you, feel, you know sorry because because we because we feel guilty we feel guilty yeah, we, so we imagine we feel so guilty about it that it's it's like the forest it's the forest speaking for itself is bigfoot what what about it's come back to take its revenge on us i see the that forest has come back to, to you know to fight us. what about the what about the dream okay i have one yeah sure Okay, and this connects to masculinity too. What about the dream for people that you can still be a savage running around? What if people are just like, they just want to be like that. They're just like, you can still be a savage dude running around the mountains or running around in the swamp or running around wherever. Yeah, absolutely. It's like romantic. Our masculinity run wild. You yeah, can what right. well, a savage, savage hair is like, hairy beast. beast. Yeah, but you could be a savage fucking beast running around the swamp. How many dudes are obsessed with survival technology and gear and build camping and stuff like that. Yeah, well well that's why backpacking is like getting t- in touch with your with your with, your, inner with yeti. your fucking yeti. With your inner yeti. Yeah, with your fucking yeti. Maybe that's why that's why these pop up ever cuz, you know, maybe fuck it, we're dying for it. Or maybe it's our own projection of how we fucked up the forest and it's come back to take its revenge. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. How about and how about ancient so why has this been going on for hundreds of years? Yeah why so i think we i think we locked down like in modern time kind of like some maybe theories, modern time but in in ancient time because this has been happening for so long like the the um yeah like native peoples the seminal the Seminole right. indians right. for example exactly. in florida have, have why this did myth. native okay so this is the last part my yeah, last point. Okay, good have you ever seen did you, you ever see the m night Shyamalan movie the village i don't watch scary movies you know that about me i kind of ride for that movie it's I kind of a like sick it. movie i fucking like that take I do like it. Why? The beginning is really good. It sets it up really well where the premise is there is people. S- spoiler alert if you haven't spoiler seen it. Spoiler alert. On, yeah. This is before the Mark Waller movie. You ever seen The Happening? Where that was really bad. Where the trees I will say are again, killing people. I will say again. I don't watch scary movies. Okay. This is the movie he made before he made The Happening when things went downhill for M. Night. And then he made Avatar. Fuck that. Which was the worst movie. Fuck that. In an absolute Why abomination. Would you make an abomination the best, to the best TV show ever made? Yeah. Absolute abomination. We liked it before it was cool. Let me say, me and Adam liked Avatar before it was cool. Yeah. Okay. Keep going. Okay. So that was before he made those. The village. The premise is, people are in a village. They're mm-hmm. surrounded by a forest. The village looks like kind of like an old timey, like a Salem, Salem witch sure, trial dark, kind of it's situation. dark outside. It's yeah. Dark. Yeah. Get it's it's it, like it, blah, 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 blah. Moody. Victorian. You know, moody. And they're surrounded by a forest. And every once in a while things come to the houses to like check them out and they have to hide in the houses and they can't go in the forest because these things will eat them. Sure. So it's called the village because they're in a little contained bubble. I got and it. And they can't go into the forest. Okay. How, night. How's the reveal of that movie? That's well, that's why people hate the movie because the reveal they feel is kind of stupid. Kind of like fucking lost. It, it just cheapens the movie a little bit. But, but I, I think that the setup is really cool. And the reason why I'm talking about it right now is because there's a real need for people in those kind of societies, like if you're if you're in a native society, you're an early human and you need people to help you build something or to stay safe, to stay in the village. So if you have a story of a scary Sasquatch out oh, there interesting. or a Yeti in the forest that's walking around that's gonna kill you, you'll want to stay home in the village more. So it's about survival. Like you always talk about how technology is good for the society, but not good for the individual. Yeah. So in this case, this myth is good for the society, but not good for the individual. The individual it's has a to stay survival, in survival. thing, it's survival. Exactly. Keep people together. Don't, S- don't let people stay leave the in the village. Don't go away and get murdered by the giant Sasquatch out there. Cool. Good theory. By the way, uh, just to ruin the movie. Do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. Ruin it. Ruin, it, ruin people. They, it turns out this girl leaves. Adrian Brody dies. That's fucking shame. The pianist. She leaves the forest and it turns out that they're living in 1970s America. And they, these people, like a TV show, they got, yeah, the elders of the village, they rejected society, made their own village in the forest, tricked everyone to believing that they were the only people out there. So there's not actually any bad thing out there. No, it was the, it was the elders the whole time in costume. That's not a terrible reveal. No. I mean, I I liked the movie a lot. I, I would love to watch it again. I think it's really cool. Cool. Okay. Cool movie. 45% Rotten Tomato. People didn't like it. They fucking hated it. No they fucking hated they it. They fucking hated it. Um, okay. We are gonna take a quick break to enjoy the music, and after that, it is the best time of the podcast. It's time fucking Jack for honey. time My honey. Yeti honey. Mm, that's a Sasquatch. You wanna name your dog Yeti? That'd be a cool name for, like, a big white dog, right? You don't think so? Noah. Yeah. I think it's cooler, when, by the way, when you just talk to yourself during those little breaks. I think it's great. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah it's good. This is the Halftime Honey Toast, where we discuss and celebrate some absurd science in the news that is somehow related to our episode. And our episode, this episode, is... About Sasquatch and Yeti and the Harry Man myth. So I find the story and Noah responds with this immediate thought. So this halftime honey, I raise my glass and Noah raises his glass too. He's drinking out of a ceramic mug. Now I'm drinking out of a shot glass. Noah, what are we drinking today? <sighs> I'm so fucking excited. This is the Jack Daniels fucking honey. This is Jack Daniels Yeti honey. This is the Jack Daniels Yeti honey. Made, made made by a Yeti's teat. From a Yeti's teat. From a Yeti's sweet, sweet Yeti I wish teat. I could hit your glass to cheers with you, but Jesus, this is a reach. la well, Lahayim! This goes to the Santa Cruz County Sheriff's deputies <laughs> for returning the four foot redwood statue of Bigfoot outside of the Bigfoot museum to its rightful home four weeks ago. That's fucking right. So there you go. To the Sheriff's deputies of Santa Cruz County. I give you this toast. Well, hi, good job. Uh, oh, oh, Yeti, Yeti, Yeti. Oh my God. Oh. I wish I had more. All right. Officers responding to a suspicious figure in the roadway early on Thursday morning. It turned out to be the statue, who was nicknamed Danny after Danny DeVito. Said the store owner, throughout the years, <clears throat> visitors from all over the world have traveled to tell him stories about their own Bigfoot sightings, something he has relished. I'm talking about himself. Since he himself hasn't been able to find a new one, himself being the store owner, he spent his first 10 years in business looking for another Bigfoot in Santa Cruz. He's recorded their screams, made casts of footprints, but has been so far unsuccessful. Okay. He said, I've come very close to finding him. There you go. And so he had a statue out front of his store, <clears door throat> and someone took it. He, it's been there for 15 years, his museum. Someone took it four weeks ago and it was found on the side of the road in Santa Cruz. So there you go. Forfeit foot book, book for a statue. I'm just, okay, here's what I have to say to that. Yep. In college. Okay. Someone nameless. Stole a a massive sign from a, a local restaurant. I'm just gonna say that that would be a great piece to decorate your bro college apartment with. Is a four oh, a foot, foot yeti, yeti statue. statue. I'm sure. So if a bro from like a a local college university stole that, university that Santa would be it, that would be in their fucking apartment. Absolutely. Like how dope would that be in a your for, bro house? A four foot yeti statue in a bro house. This but this dude, the store owner, he loved that statue. I mean, he carved I'm it himself. Say, he carved it himself with a not chainsaw. Saying not saying it's not sad, just saying that it would be a great piece for your bro castle. Yeah. No, I totally agree. Yeah, 100%. Obviously, they wanted it. Okay. It is time for... We've delayed too long. It's time for Sasquatch. What is Sasquatch, Noah? What, what is, is Bigfoot? It? It's an ape-like creature that inhabits the forests of North America. It is about 10 feet tall and extremely hairy. It's basically a Wookiee in Star Wars or an upright bear. Many of the local peoples have different names for this creature before it became the singular term Sasquatch or Bigfoot. Like you were saying, the native peoples had a bunch to do with the mythology and the yeah. origin of Yeti. Yep. That is the same for Sasquatch. And that's what makes this hairy mammoth so crazy. So like it's it's going back like hundreds of years? Going back hundreds of years. To the Miwok people. What area is Sasquatch in again? The Sierra Nevadas and Pacific Northwest. Okay, so California, California Washington, Oregon. The Yeah, the Cascades and the Sierra Nevadas. Okay, cool. Okay. The Miwok. Okay, the Miwok inhabited the Sierra Nevada, and they called their hairy man Yayali. Yayali. So the cool thing about Yayali is when I was teaching, we used to tell kids a story about Yayali, how he used to come and eat the berries that they were picking, and it was all kind of nice. Like, he just used to, used to eat the berries. You, and told, were, you told the nice like, version. Like not don't, don't eat the berries, Yayali. And he was like, okay, I'll give you the- You told the Disney version. Give the berries back. Yeah. The Disney version. Stuff yeah. like that. Mandalorian, you got to have better okay. fight scenes. Okay. So when I was researching, you can assume my surprise when actually the stories of Yayali are pretty brutal. Hmm. Um, So for example, here is an actual translation. And when I say an actual translation, Miwok words, like one word in Miwok means about five words in English. So the translation is awful. Um, And definitely not... Do they just not speak much? They just said one word to each other like a droid? Like you know how in Spanish... One word can contain a lot of yeah. what you're trying to say. Yes. Like Al almurazamos. Like we had lunch. Okay, we get it. You practice Spanish. But yeah, yeah but I'm yeah. just saying no, like, that one cool. word can contain many words. English yeah. is like super wordy, right? Is it? Super wordy. Super, super that's wordy. That's interesting. So the translation sucks. That's why the translation sucks. Okay, cool. Okay. Also I speak Spanish bitches. <laughs> yeah, All <fun>. right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> this is after Yali confronts a few women and wants to make them his wives. He wants to make them his wives. After he kills a pregnant woman. Run, he's coming, says the older one to her little sister. He's close behind. He almost catches up to them. As they come near home, they've tossed the baby to an old woman and have gone inside the earth-covered house. Tarantula, I guess it's like a person, has closed the entrance with a rock and sealed it over with his nasal secretion. I don't know about that part. Wow. Give me the boy, says Ayali to the old woman. Fuck you. He tosses the baby in his burden basket and brings him to Sawia. He throws the baby against a tree and the baby was transformed into a tree. Okay, and at the end of, end of the story, they burn Yayali in a tree as he's gathering pine cones. Okay, so let me just kind of run One that more back. sentence of the story. And as they say it, he falls that way. His head rolls away east, and there it turns into obsidian. Turns into arrowpoint rock over in the east. His dead body, that turns into rock. They named it Kulto, the place that used to be his body. That is the place where he died. Okay, so a creationism story. So Yali killed a pregnant woman and smashed a baby against a tree. Not exactly stealing people's beer. Killed a pregnant woman, smashed smash baby against a tree, but then also created this the is, land, right? Yes. Creation yes. story? It's a creation story. But okay. it's also like, to me, it's a stay in the village kind of story as well. <laughs> you know, don't go on. the Everyone forest, loves a good stay in the village stay story. Stay in the village story. It's a scary shit out there. The Salish people who lived on the Pacific coast came up with the word Sasquatch. From the Salish word, word Saquatch. That means wild, hairy man. Guess what? The Lumi people. Another example. Three examples of native peoples talking about this big hairy man. And then I will stop blaring the point, I promise. Bellingham, Washington. They called their hairy man Simekas. He was basically the same as a Yali or Sasquatch. The same fucking thing. <clears throat> and they did not have contact these tribes. Once again, how can all these people be talking about hairy men well, while they weren't in contact. It's crazy. It is crazy. What the hell is the deal? How can medieval people, people in Florida, Australians be doing this? Hey, Daniel Taylor has a take on this. What's his take? I'm saving Go ahead. Up. I'm saving it for up on Cabano. It's too good. You sure you want to do it no, now? I want to close with it. Okay, that's It's fine. a closer. So, those are the myths about Sasquatch that haunts the Pacific Northwest Forest. Is there any evidence for it? Or So, like... The interesting thing with the Yeti is that there was evidence for it. There were footprints in the snow and that's what freaked people out. So is there any evidence for the Squatch or is it bullshit? I'm so glad you asked because we're about to get to the evidence. So we just did the myths. We're getting to the evidence. And in the evidence, we're going to talk about a guy named Roger Patterson. Not as much of a boss as Daniel Taylor, but definitely a weird dude. We're going to talk about the (laughs) Fort Bragg incident. Okay. We're going to talk about how it might relate in the evolutionary tree to modern day apes including us and also about recent studies all right so let's start with roger patterson uh what's the guy's name pattinson I the vampire the, the dude in you knew fucking, i was gonna the do the the fucking thing the girl vampire remember yeah what's his name pattinson. robert, robert pattinson. patterson robert patterson okay this is hey, not the same guy something? yeah i don't think he you- you know, I am, I think I have good taste in good-looking dudes. Mm-hmm. I don't find him that good-looking, but I think some girls do. No, no they don't. They, they like Jacob. They like the werewolf Jacob. They don't like Better him. Better than him? Yeah, almost nobody likes him. As a physically attractive male? Yeah, they think Jacob's really hot because he takes his shirt off at one point. At one I, point, she gets in trouble, and he's like, I rip my shirt off, and I save you. I think Ashley likes the Robert Patterson. No, she likes, she likes Jacob. Trust me. Mm. Ask her. Okay. I, I've heard girls say that he's good-looking, and I just don't get it. I are don't you an Edward it. person, or are you a Jacob person? I think his name is Edward. Now I'm thinking about Edward Snowden. Anyway, Roger Patterson, arguably arguably the most famous Bigfoot photo. It's the one if you Google search for Bigfoot, you will see it. Okay. Okay. It's the one where he's kind of, he turns around and looks at the camera for a second. It was filmed in the 1960s, late 1960s. It's a 50 second video. The shaky camera captures Bigfoot coming from the forest and walking through a dry riverbed in Northern California. Think like sand and logs in the riverbed and then yeah, retreating uh-huh. back into the forest. The one photo caption from the video is the one where he looks back at the camera. It really looks like someone walking around in a gorilla suit. <laughs> That's funny because I have another example of this. Yeah. Though it's definitely filmed in a Northern California wilderness area for sure. Okay. In the Six Rivers wilderness. That video has been the most talked about, most dissected, most critiqued video Of Bigfoot of all time. And if I, we post the photo on Facebook, you will instantly recognize it. You've seen this before. Okay. So what's up with this dude, Roger Patterson. He had a lot of connections to Hollywood. He shot the video over three days in the Six Rivers National Forest and tried getting investment for a further documentary from Hollywood producers. And he failed Patterson. Who was he? He was a rodeo star and an amateur boxer. He eventually sold the film to, to ABC for a pretty good profit. $150,000. $150,000. Damn. A, not a small amount of cake in 1971, I will say. Damn. He's, he been, he's, he sold his friend dressing up as a gorilla suit running around? Yeah, exactly. So the there is a lot of debate and critique about the filming speed for some reason. Because he showed it to so many Hollywood types, they wanted to prove or disprove that it was real. And they're like r- film filmy people. So they're like the filming speed wasn't correct. Dr. D.W. Grieve, an, anatom- an anatomist with expertise in human biomechanics, he evaluated the po- various possibilities that this was real regarding film speed and did not come to a conclusion between them. He confessed to being very perplexed and unsettled by the tangible possibility that the film subject was in fact real. My fucking ass. Yeah, my fucking ass. Exactly. So, one of the things about this video is it's, it's been around for a very long time and it's very, very famous. Um, scientists have actually engaged with this video. Like a lot of the times scientists will just not engage with these kind of pseudoscientific claims, but this one has been around for so long that they actually have. As one scientist put it, I did find some inconsistencies in appearance and behavior that might suggest a fake, but nothing that conclusively shows that this is the case. The most original criticism on the video is the planter surface of the feet is decidedly pale but the palm of the hand seems to be dark. There is no mammal I know of in which the planter soul differs so drastically in color from the palm. So as you can tell, people are really, really looking closely at this video. can, Can I say the best evidence, I think, to disprove it? Yeah. The best evidence to disprove it is that now in modern days, in these wilderness areas, there are tons and tons of wildlife cameras to be able to document wild creatures that are... Isolated, such as the bobcat, stuff yep. like that. Yeah. None of these cameras has ever, 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 ever documented a wild man running around in them. Yeah. Okay. that's But favorite. you know, it's half man, so he knows about wildlife cameras now. Yeah. Okay. okay. Um, so is there any real evidence? We're going to get to the real evidence. Okay. Go. Okay. Once again, Robert Patterson, he was obsessed with getting this 50 second video into a documentary and selling it to Hollywood. He was hell bent on doing that. And he was held on doing that, it turns out, before he made the video. He went to L.A. and was trying to get people to sponsor him to make a Bigfoot video. And then guess what? He got someone to give him $700, which is, I don't know, like, you know, I'll take it. He went out to the Six Rivers Forest, and then lo and behold, in three days, he found Bigfoot. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So there There you go. So that's pseudoscience, right? He's trying to prove something exists rather than disprove it. Give me the real evidence. So there's so much here. There should be a doc from his absolutely crazy life. For example, when he was in Hollywood, he went to meet with executives of Disney. And this is what happened in quotes from the New York Times. Disney's chief of animation and four assistants viewed Patterson's footage and praised it as a beautiful piece of work. Although they said it must have been shot in a studio. I mean what I'm left with is wondering why this fascinates people so much to get involved with like a 50 second video that looks absolutely fake. I mean why do people care so much about this topic? That's why we did it in the first place. It's so weird. I think this is obvi- I think it's obviously a fake. What is the what's, what's the real ev? Give me the real ev please for the for the squash. The Fort Bragg incident, Noah. This is real ev. Is this, this real? This is ev. real evidence. Okay, great. It comes from a real human being. February 7th, 1962 from Outside Magazine. By the way, this is after hundreds, like you said about the Yeti, this is after hundreds of years of seeing footprints, hearing calls, they're like, what the fuck is is out there? Uh, From outside magazine, looking to see what was causing the commotion, Hatfield, the man who lives in Fort Bragg, turned and saw a creature standing, chest and shoulders above a six foot high fence at the back of his property. It was much, much bigger than a bear, he later recalled. It was covered with fur with a flat hairless face and perfectly round eyes. The story continues. Hatfield hurried inside to tell his hosts, and the three of them set out searching for the strange creature, coming around to the side of the house. Hatfield ran straight into the thing, which knocked him to the ground, and then chased the three of them back into the house as they tried to shut the door. The creature threw its weight against the door, blocking them from closing it. Finally, Bud Jenkins. Love that name. Bud (laughs) Jenkins went to get his gun. I'm going to shoot the damn thing, said Bud. Do it, Bud. At which point, the monster relented and fled, of course. After after he understood English and knew that he was going right. to get shot, so is this real evidence or not or, or no? Oh, it's real. Afterwards, they found a 16 inch footprint and an 11 inch dirty handprint on the side of the house. Okay. Who else saw that though? Besides that, there's weird connections to Fort Bragg for some reason. So there later on there was an officer from Fort Bra- Bragg who was decapitated in north in the North Carolina wilderness. Actually, they actually found his head. In Sorry. North Carolina, in North Carolina, but he's from, from Fort Bragg. Bragg. Fort people, Bragg is Fort in California, by yes, the way. Fort Bragg is in California. Thank you for saying that. Yeah. People think it's the it's the Sasquatch getting back at Fort Bragg, They're getting his revenge on Fort Bragg. Anyway, so let's talk about the real evidence. There is, yeah, confused face. So that wasn't real evidence. I mean, that is a real story from a real person. What's to make that not real evidence? So for me, for me, real evidence is something tangible. It's not, it's not a story. There are hundreds of footprint casts about Bigfoot. There's a whole fucking museum about it. Okay. Okay. I just wanted to go over one famous Okay. So, so, so he had the, the, the Squatch had the incident with the people. Yeah. And then the officer that investigated it, he got decapitated? Yes. In the woods of North Carolina. That is a little weird. It's pretty weird. Okay. So that's the Fort Bragg incident. Okay. That's very X-Filesy. Let's go to some harder kind of evidence. Gigantopithecus. What is Gigantopithecus? My wiener. Gigantopithecus is an is an extinct genus of ape. This is a real thing. This is a real thing we're talking about. It has been scientifically proven. With discoveries made in China, Indonesia, and Thailand, found in a total of sixteen cities, and originally discovered its molars in 1935 in a Chinese drugstore where they were being labeled as dragon bones, but they were actually molars of a giant ape. A full Gigantopithecus mandible was found, and the animal itself is believed to be 600 pounds. Okay, Gigantopithecus. So pretty big, 600 pounds. It's a big ape? Gigantopithecus is a big ape. Living in California? No, it's a big ape living with the other apes. It's just a lost ancestor that was discovered in 1935. Okay. And it weighs 600 pounds. Okay. So by examining the mandible again in 2019 with newer technology, by conducting a protein analysis on the tooth enamel, we can date... The the Gigantopithecus back 2 million years ago. And we can speculate that, guess what? This dude, Gigantopithecus, he was 10 feet tall. Just like fucking Sasquatch. That's cool. Okay, so there's so much debate over whether this animal belongs to either the tree-dwelling orangutans or to the subfamily that contains us, gorillas and chimps. Is this the lost ancestor that is Bigfoot? So there does seem like at one point in history... There was a humongous creature that looked kind of like what Sasquatch would look like. This, cr- this creature is now as scientific as fact as it can get. It's on the evolutionary tree. Okay. So, there, w- there was a creature that looked like Bigfoot. There was a creature that looked like Bigfoot at okay. some point. But, that, but that, here's that's the really thing. Cool. Probably but here's not- the thing. Here's the thing. Okay. Let me go through the tree, the evolutionary tree. If you go into Hominidae, you have two different families. And one is the orangutans, which... Orangutans live really in trees. Like they need trees to survive. They do not live really on the ground. Yeah. Okay. And they have giant faceplates that look super cool. On the other side is another family that contains gorillas and chimps and us. Right. So which side is Gigantopithecus on? So the new technology of protein analysis that I was just talking about in 2019, it led scientists to put Gigantopithecus, It's just last year, more closely related to orangutans than to humans, apes, and chimps. So it's not the lost ancestor; It is, in fact an orangutan who probably live in Borneo, right? Yeah, so but not still the Pacific cool Northwest that it looks like squatch, but still cool. So it might be red, and look like squatch. How? But my thing is, how can a six hundred pound orangutan live in a tree and brachiate? Brachiation being the swinging of the arms right. that orangutans do in siamangs? How can a six hundred pound gorilla do that? I mean, six hundred pound ape. Why is it more closely related it's, to orangutans? It's a good point, but orangutans are probably really big too. They probably weigh hundreds of pounds as well. Yeah. Um, Grover Krantz, a man who tried to connect the dots here. Yeah. An anthropologist at Washington State University. He was absolutely convinced until his death in 2002 that Gigantopithecus was alive and was Bigfoot. What, and was in the Northwest? Yes. Yeah. But okay. he, he, you know, he was kind of cuckoo bananas. I don't need to get into it. Too Great much. professor. Yeah, I, exactly. I, so I th- I, so I think the main thing is here is that there seemed like there was not there was an ancestor at one point that looked like Squatch, but it's more closely related to the orangutans. The Fort Bragg incident in California is weird. Yeah. However, the ancestor probably lived in Borneo, Africa, rather than in the Pacific Northwest. Yeah, the ancestor is more closely related to orangutans, we think now, than to chimps. Okay, cool. And us. Any other evidence about Sasquatch being found in the Pacific Northwest or California? Um, In the 1970s, I just want to go through a little bit of John Napier's work. Okay, John. John. He said that Bigfoot do not exist. However, he found it difficult to entirely reject all of the tracks that people were finding in the Pacific Northwest. It's, all the tracks are scattered over about 125,000 square miles. And he found it very difficult to dismiss all of these crazy eyewitness accounts like I just read.
1: Okay. So he
0: concluded. What did he conclude? I am convinced that Sasquatch exists. But whether it is... At all it's yeah, is that it is ble- oh my god. I'll try it again. Try again. I am convinced that Sasquatch exists, but whether it is all it's cracked up to be is another matter altogether. There must be something, he says, in Northwest America that needs explaining, and that something leaves man like footprints. The most recent study of a study of thirty hair samples in two thousand nineteen that were believed to be from the cryptid primates, like you were talking about a cryptid from Yeti and Sasquatch. Yeah. It was found mostly to be from black and brown bears, exactly, and other animals like h- cows and tapirs, and even and, a forty thousand year old fossilized remains of a Pleistocene polar bear. Okay, cool. So it, it, I think the a common thread is that these things have, are turning out to be bears. They are turning and out I, to be bears, and I think one of the reason one of the reasons is is because, as Daniel Taylor said, how they walk. Because when they leave footprints, it can look like a bipedal. Creature bipedal, as in a creature that walks on two feet, and it looks like the feet are really big, but that's just the way they walk. That's how they leave footprints. So there you go about Sasquatch. Noah, tell us quickly about the Florida Skunk Ape. I'm gonna go real fast on the Florida Skunk Ape. It's a great one. Okay, so the Skunk Ape, also known as the Swamp Cabbage Man, Stink Ape, (laughs) Florida Bigfoot, Louisiana Bigfoot, and Swamp Squatch, is a humanoid (laughs) creature said to inhabit some southeastern U.S. states. Okay, the, South, the Skunk Ape has actually been a part of southern U.S. folklore since the settler period. Even, even as I mentioned, Seminole Indians, they had a myth about a cannibal giant running around eating people. Actually, Adam, in 1977, after a rash of swamp squash sightings, a bill was proposed that says, and I quote, "It was it, to make it illegal to take, possess, harm, or molest anthropods or humanoid animals you okay. remember molesting these anthropods? Well, no. A bill was proposed to protect the Swamp Squatch, but it was rejected. Oh, really? Why? Because <laughs> yeah. people want to kill it. Because people are like, this is fucking Get stupid. Get your gun! This is fucking stupid. Okay, basically, enter in the self-dubbed Jane Goodall of Skunk Apes. By da- the way, Jane Goodall believes in Sasquatch. Does she? She said that she wants to believe in it. She would like to believe in it. She's a primatologist. I also It'd be cool w- if, Wait, I her. also want to believe in it. That's what she said. She doesn't believe in it. She said she wants to okay, believe in it. Okay, the huge difference there. I want to believe that Harry Potter's real. Um, so his name is his name is David Seely. I'm gonna go quick through him. Basically, he thinks that this thing is real. The Swamp Squatch. He's been he actually has a booth by the road where he sells memorabilia of the mm-hmm. Swamp Squatch. I will say I do want a Swamp Squatch shirt. Wouldn't hate that. But big thing in 2000, he captured the first and only recorded video of the Skunk Ape. The swamp squatch. No shit. Okay, in two thousand, and then he and then he posted it. How was it? Sorry, not first and only. He actually in two thousand and eleven. Mm. He also captured a video. How, how shocking! It Dave yeah. captured the video, right? Yeah. Okay, you know what it looks like? Yep. It looks like a dude dressed in a gorilla suit running around the swamp. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it fucking looks like. You can watch the video. But the skunk cape is not a sasquatch. It looks a little different, right? Isn't it red? It's like red and smaller. That's funny because the video. The gorilla suits that they're handing out in the Toys R Us near Dave Seeley, it just looks like a gorilla. Otherwise known as a cabbage man. Yeah, honestly. And there's stories of the reporter who goes to visit David Seely from the Smithsonian and he's like, David Seeley's like, he's killing frogs, making frog legs in the swamp. like, Yeah, David you know, Seeley. As, I, as we said before by Peter Dendel, the Penn State professor, male, the states for authority, connection to the outdoors, individual, individualistic, self-reliant, and at traits of an outsider. Okay, absolutely. Anything else in the Florida Skunk Cape? Uh, there is no evidence about the Florida Skunk Cape. <laughs> okay. Yeah, there's just a crazy dude that to try and sell memorabilia about the Skunk Cape. A couple of others we didn't do are the Australian Yowie, which mm-hmm. would have been cool, and the Egobogu. Egobogu. The Egobogu. You can find these everywhere. Yep, absolutely. Adam, I mean, you know what it's time for, though. We're going to do one more musical break, and after that, it is going to be Open Kimono. Yes. it's time for the open kimono. And this is the open kimono where we talk freely and discuss our final thoughts on the topic. And we leave nothing to the imagination because our kimonos are open. Open. And we and we're showing everything. everything. Showing so what is your gigantic? Pithecus. Yep. Okay. <laughs> I knew it. I knew <laughs> so <those coming. laughs> the big, the big question as Adam touched on, it really is. Why do we have such a desire for there to be Bigfoot or Yeti or Swamp Swamp Squatch running around in the woods? Okay, why do we make all these myths? I'm going to read what Daniel Taylor... Remember, Daniel Taylor was the one that actually solved the Yeti myth and made the national, made that huge park in Tibet and in the Himalayas and is the most interesting man in the world. So this is what Daniel Taylor says about it. And I quote, The deep mystery at our core is that we want to be connected to the great beyond and we need symbols to help us understand the connection. That's why we believe in God or angels or the Loch Ness Monster. Throughout human history and across human cultures... We have developed messengers from the great beyond. Ultimately, that's what the Yeti is. We have more settings of Yetis today than we did 50 years ago. As we create this new age where humans dominate the planet, we are having to also create our own folklore and legends about what the planet used to be. As we have changed the human species, we have the psycho-emotional need to connect to where we came from. That's why we have more Yetis. End quote. Yeah.
1: That's a,
0: that's a great quote. It's an amazing it's quote, and he says it so much he's better right. than I would, so I'm just going to totally right. thing. He's totally right. We want to connect to something. We want to connect to the wild is what he's saying. I love that. Yeah, it's really, mm-hmm. really nice. What's and your For my open kimono, I will say that I think that it is if you're close cloistered in your household day, you don't see the nature. Who's closer in their Sometimes household Sometimes you day? can look at the tree line who is, yeah, raise your hand if you are. Sometimes you might look up at the tree line and be like, what could live out there? And if you haven't been up there in years, maybe you could start convincing yourself that there was a wild, hairy man up there. You know, and want to convince yourself. I think though. maybe it's, it's your longing to get back to connect with nature. I would like yeah. to think. Daniel Taylor has your psycho-emotional need to connect to where you yeah. came from. Absolutely. Um, I just want to mention from our friends at the Improbable Research Group, that is the same group that hosts the Ig Nobel Prizes. They have a gem of a five-step process known as the Bullshit Prevention Protocol. <laughs> love and it. it goes like this. Number one, who is telling me this? The guy who runs the Bigfoot Museum. How, does he, roadside attraction for how does he or she know this? Because they saw one when they were 40 years old. Given number one and number two, is it possible that she or he is wrong? Yes. Number four, if the answer to number three is yes, find another unrelated source. Number five, repeat until answer to number three is really fucking unlikely. That's interesting when you, when you take that into context with some of the UFO stuff recently. Yeah, definitely. So if, always find another source. And is it possible that they are wrong? Basically, and how do they know this? Very good. Okay. Anything else on Bigfoot, Sasquatch, Yeti, abominable snowman? That's Emery. I got a big shout okay. out. I'm ready for my shout out. Go ahead, guys. My shout out is to an absolutely unsung American hero mm-hmm. known as Edward Snowden. Yep. There we go. That told that basically told the citizens of the United States that the government was basically watching every single thing that you do, and still is. And we might not have ever known that without him. So, absolute, one day, I hope, I hope that Edward is, is welcomed back to the country as a hero, which he is. Absolute courage. Shout out to Sarah and all of her boyfriends. Hopefully, none of them look like Yetis or Sasquatches. But it's okay, okay. if they do. If that's what you Maybe she shave the face. You know? Don't want to come in as a hairy man. i meant more into of a Sasquatch. Um, guys, you can find us on every podcast app. If you've listened to a few episodes and you love the podcast, please please, after this is done, leave us a five-star review. It really helps the podcast. We appreciate it so much. It also, you know what? It gives us a huge boost in our mood every day. I'm not gonna lie. It's great. I love it. Guys, we love you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening.